You're listening to Ingredipedia, a factual food fight podcast with me, Emily Naismith and Ben Virgil. Hi. So between now and last time you heard our podcast, we've been hanging out with podcast heavyweights. Yeah. Or Ben has, and I've just been like <laughs> waving from the background trying to get their attention. <laughs> um, but yeah, PJ Vote and Starly Kind have like really made us smarten up our act and yeah. we've made a few changes to the I, podcast. I met Frisha Kesh her way from uh, oh, yeah. Song Exploder as well. Jeez. So, yeah, well, basically we'll just be disappointed in ourselves <laughs> yeah. for the next 20, 20 or 25 minutes. Yeah. So each week we choose an ingredient and each present three interesting facts, recipes or personal stories about the ingredient and it's a battle. So it's a fact battle. And at the end of the food fight, you get to choose who has the most interesting facts by voting on Instagram, which you'll find under Ingredipedia. And when you vote for us, it makes us feel good actually more worthwhile than an iTunes review. It's true. Well, you could do both. You could do both, but if you're going to do one. <laughs> yeah. Actually, probably, probably do iTunes. Actually do the iTunes. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. What ingredient are we talking about today? We're talking about milk. Okay. And where does milk come from? Well, milk comes from cows. Okay. Um, well, all different kinds of cattle, actually. So camels and yaks and, and, and anything you can... It, that has teats, you can drink the milk. It also comes from soy, coconut, almond, other s- kind of sources like that. But mainly it comes from cows. And how long has milk been around? There's evidence of milking cattle as early <laughs> as 4000 BC in Neolithic Britain. So we've been drinking milk for a while. All right, sweet. And what's its most common use? Uh, well, it's a drink. It's obviously the base ingredient of cheese and cream and yogurt. But interestingly... Um, it's more and more being used as a, as a, a side to coffee. So Starbucks uses over 93 million gallons of milk per year, enough to fill 155 Olympic-sized swimming pools, and that's one coffee company alone. So, yeah, we're going to talk about milk for the next little while. All right, so first of all, play my video. Okay. A bottle of milk, thanks. Low fat, no fat, full cream, high calcium, high protein, soy, light skim, omega-3, high calcium with vitamin D and folate or extra dollop. Uh, Raw milk, rice milk, almond milk, macadamia (laughs) milk, cashew milk, flax, hemp, quinoa, hazelnut, coconut milk, oat milk. That's what we're dealing with these days. Yeah, I mean, you thought it was was complicated in the early 2000s when that ad was on and the world has turned even further yeah we've got so many alternative milks now and i feel like they've really become mainstream because things like called milk bars are popping up like milk bars with a y instead of an i (laughs) it's a thing what are they they're like healthy places where you get like your coffee with an alternative milk you like your almond milk latte that kind of thing okay um and actually at broadsheet um the editorial team wrote about one in St Kilda, which is a vegan milk bar, and they had mushroom lattes, beetroot lattes, turmeric lattes, cacao lattes, and the somewhat boring now but was once out there chai latte. Mm. And their lattes are made with either almond milk or coconut milk. And the picture they took for the article was so beautiful. Like the beetroot latte was just the most beautiful pale pink latte I've ever seen in my life and it made me instantly want it and I sent a picture to my mum because I knew that she'd love it as well and I'm like this is a beetroot latte it's made with like beetroot juice and almond milk freshly pressed beetroot juice sorry and then um five minutes later mum sent me a 
picture back of her version of the beetroot latte, which was... <laughs> Tin beetroot? No, cow's milk with Nesquik. <laughs> Pale pink strawberry Nesquik. It actually looked really good. <laughs> um, probably less health benefits. But yeah, but... Hmm. Yeah. So, I wanted to look into what the hell is almond milk. Mm. So, I, I did some research and it's actually mostly water. Most nut milks are made up of at least 90% water and some brands only contain 2% almonds, which is a low amount of almonds for something that is called almond milk. Like mm. you'd expect the primary ingredient to be almonds mm. or milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so the other thing I found out about almond milk then is that it's threatening bees. What? And I know this like really appeals to your interests. So. Well, because I, I know bees are very, very vital mm. in the propagation of almonds. Um, yep. Almonds can't, um, what's what's the word? They, they, they can't... F- uh, Grow? Well, when... Uh, well, this is embarrassing. Uh, I'll probably Activate. end up... <laughs> they can't activate without Pete Evans doing it for them. Uh, no, they, they they can't reproduce Okay. Uh, without the help of, of bees to, to pollinate them. Yeah. Um, so I read an article from the Sydney Morning Herald by Sarah Berry, and she said that most of the almond milk for sale in Australia contains almonds from California. Uh, yeah, that's where there's a yeah. lot of industrialised beekeeping. Mm, yeah. They basically just drive bees up and down the California coast. Yeah. So 80% of the world's almonds are grown there. Mm, not good. You don't and want those California yeah, almonds. Apart from the bees, it, it actually takes five litres of water to produce one almond. And California's in drought at the moment. Mm. And so they're like digging into aquifers in the ground and it's ruining the roads and stuff. Yeah, right. But yeah, so the bee thing. Um, there's managed honeybees there, which you just mentioned, but 25% died in 2014 because of all the pesticides used. Yeah. And since then, they've been getting it better at, like, guidelines and using pesticides. But still, that's, like, a lot of dead bees. Yeah. And it just tires them out as well. Like, they, they don't get a chance to rest. They, they're, like, they're, they're worked into the ground. Mm. Poor bees. So, think about that when you have your next almond latte. Well, some people are, and chai yeah, or something. Some people are calling almond lattes, they're not vegan because, you know, they kill so many bees, which is an interesting Ooh, claim. Mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pull things back to what we know and trust. And that is that there is a glass and a half of full cream dairy milk in every half pound block of Cadbury chocolate. I'm just going to play an ad from, this is from 1987. This is um, featuring Professor Julius Sumner Miller, um, who was a kind of pop scientist that featured in Cadbury chocolate ads, uh, Australian Cadbury chocolate ads in the 80s. This is from 87, the year that he died. Uh, the guy was born. Good year. A wire cube made from a coat hanger. Into some detergent, a film forms. At the center, a cube created by the forces of surface tension in balance. So too, Cadbury Dairy Milk chocolate has a balance of goodness and great taste. The glass and a half of full cream dairy milk in every 200 gram block provides substantial nourishment, enjoyment, and that great Cadbury taste. So that was the... Cadbury slogan for a long time. They still use it in their marketing, but it was also on the packaging until 2009. So in 2009, Cadbury dropped that glass and a half of full cream dairy milk in every 200 gram block from the from the packaging. And I don't know about you, but I like I like a good conspiracy theory. And yeah. I was like, 
does that mean that there's no milk in milk chocolate and they've just been lying all the time and they got caught out? So I had a bit of a, a dig into it. And yeah, it turns out there's still milk in milk chocolate. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> so the US Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, regulates the amount, not only the amount of chocolate liquor and chocolate solids and cocoa products that go into chocolate. So you can't actually call something chocolate unless it's got a, a certain amount of cocoa uh, butter or um, cocoa fats and chocolate liquors and all that kind of stuff in it. And otherwise, it's just a confection. And some brands get around it by saying what, what they have, have um, their product is chocolatey or like chocolate. Oh, yeah. But they also regulate the amount of milk that goes into milk chocolate. So milk chocolate has to have more than 10% chocolate liquor and it needs to have more than 12% milk solids in it. So, so does that equal a glass and a half? Well... What what actually happens is that um, Cadbury in the UK changed the labelling. So they didn't actually take off the glass and a half. They they changed the labelling and it's just not as it's not as sexy, but they said um, the equivalent of four hundred and twenty six mils of fresh liquid milk in every two hundred and twenty seven gram of milk chocolate. How does that work? <laughs> because isn't it more grams than Grams? I, I don't know. I haven't got the scales out. <laughs> uh, it's it's more mils than grams. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the milk, the liquid milk kind of gets distilled down into the powdered version and put in there. So, look, I tried to have a conspiracy. I was like, I'm going to blow this wide open. There's no milk in milk chocolate. I'm sorry that um, there is. So I knew I couldn't do the milk episode without getting my grandpa on the line. Otherwise, he'd be very, very upset. Well, because he listens. He listens. And gives detailed feedback about this very podcast. He always gives detailed feedback, even when it's not his speciality. But milk is his speciality because he was the director of the United Dairy Farmers of Victoria for 18 years. Holy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't. And, um, you know, consulting in the dairy industry and stuff for a long time after that. So... We're going to get him on the line. I'm going to ask him about something in particular about milk. And I have no doubt that he could give us a lot of information about milk prices, the type of cows, the process of milking cows, etc. But, you know, we don't have that kind of time. We're not interested in the technicalities. Maybe we need a spin-off. <laughs> Maybe we need just like terrytalksmilk.com. Yeah. Yeah. That's just um, called Sunday at <laughs> Sunday's my Sunday's house. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, he knows a lot about milk and it's really interesting, but I've actually never really asked him about the process of delivering milk and how it's changed over the 80 years he's been alive. So mm. I thought it'd be really interesting to ask him about that. Okay. So let's get him on the line. So tell me about how you used to get milk when you were a kid. Well, when I was really young in uh, nappies, uh, my father used to bring it down from the dairy at, on the dairy farm uh, in a billy. And it was warm milk, and that's what we had, and we had no refrigerator, so we had to have milk uh, in the morning uh, milking and uh, milk in the evening milking. Otherwise, it would have gone off. Fresh milk it was. Then uh, when I uh, was around uh, in primary school, we uh, had milk delivered uh, on a f horse and float, which is a bit like a chariot, and on the float was a... Um, was a large can of milk and they dipped milk out of that uh, large can into a billy can and um, that was left on your doorstep um, so uh, it was bulk milk being delivered um, and measured at your outside your house 
into a billy. What would happen if you weren't at home? Would they just leave it on your doorstep? Yes, they would, and there was no refrigeration, so there was always a risk that um, uh, the milk would uh, deteriorate under the if it was a hot day. And also the uh, milkman had to collect the money anyway, so he took the money and um, left the milk in the billy can. So people left money on their doorstep? They, they left it in the billy can sometimes. All right. And um, uh, it wasn't quite hygienic, but uh, <laughs> that's, how, that's how it happens. And so... They had, a lid, they had a lid for the billy can as well. And why was it milk that was delivered? Why not everything else being delivered, like bread and fruit and stuff like that? Well, that started to happen. Bread was delivered in bread carts around the suburbs. And um, another feature was the starting to cool milk and ice was delivered. And so we had an ice chest um, a little later on when I was about uh, 11 or 12. And um, that ice chest uh, was, uh, had a big block of ice in it that came um, uh, once or twice a week. And uh, we then put our milk in the ice chest just um, under the block of ice in a little cabinet uh, to keep it cool. And do you think milk tastes different now to what it did when it was delivered by the horse and float? Well, it does because uh, there are other things that have happened since those days. First of all, um, pasteurisation came in uh, and the Pasteurisation Act, uh, uh, certainly in the state of Victoria, was about 1958. Um, but they, before that, uh, they, we also had... Um, uh, the milk um, being homogenised as well. Now that's uh, meaning that the milk tends to, the fat globules in the milk are, are broken down under pressure and so the fat is not in large globules and uh, free to float to the surface because as time went on the milk was bottled and um, the bottled milk always had cream floating to the top and if you were in a large family, you got to the milk first, the milk bottle first, you could have cream on the top, um, and the rest of the family would have to have the lower fat milk underneath it. So uh, that was always a bit of fun. Did you used to race for the cream, Terry? <laughs> well, <laughs> certainly uh, if there was fruit around or something to put the cream on, yes. I think that's all our questions. Thanks, Grandpa. See ya. Bye. Okay. Thanks, Terry. Bye. 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 Emma, I want to talk to you about alcohol and milk mm. because it's a like it's a dicey proposition. It can be amazing, uh, and you know when when it works, like a spiked milkshake, mm. for example. But when it doesn't work, it can result in a weird curdled mess. Yeah. And there's just like the idea of certain alcohols with milk. Like I'd never understood vodka and milk. Yeah, I don't really go for any kind of milky cocktails. Like some mm. cocktails I thought were milky, like sours, but that's just kind of milky because of the egg. That's got egg in it. seems milky. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're not into, you know, the, the dude style Big Lebowski white Russian, which is no. vod vodka, Kalura and milk. And actually he, I, I rewatched the scene today. He, he makes it with powdered milk as well. Oh, really? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> um, but I did want to have a nudge at the Holy Grail for me. If I was going to think of an alcohol that should not go with milk. Gin and milk. Yeah, that's disgusting. What do you mean it's the holy grail? Well, because it's, it shouldn't work and I, I don't know, it kind of feels like 
the 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 one if it was going to be impossible to mix anything it would be gin and milk so i had a look at the history of gin and milk and and it goes back as far as the uh, 18th century there was a drink called the english milk punch and that had a variety of different alcohols in it. Um, Benjamin Franklin had a famous recipe from 1763. His had, I think, cognac in it uh, and bourbon. Although the oldest known recipe is Mary Rockets from 1711. And they were based on a drink called Syllabub, which is an English drink in which milk and sugar is curdled by the addition of wine. Right. So that's kind of what they had their basis in. But what it's been kind of turned into is, and look, I've never been there, but they seem like people that know how to party. Um, New Orleans has a, a, a milk punch. Well, I got this this recipe from a website called alcoholprofessor.com. I'm hoping he's a professor <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm trusting him and I've gone for his recipe for a, uh, a milk punch. It is um, two parts whiskey. He said a rye bourbon, but um, I've used a local Australian whiskey called Starwood, which is, mm. it's not, yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's pretty bourbony. I would say whiskey and milk sound like they're not bad together. Okay, so it's got whiskey in yeah. it. It's got um, cognac in it, like one part cognac, so not too much. And yeah. I didn't know I had cognac in my house. so <laughs> I, I don't was, think I've ever had cognac. <laughs> well, I have some in my house. Uh, two parts gin. And I've gone for a, a local gin as well. It's from uh, Lock Distillery in South Gippsland. Cool. Um, they make great beer and, and really nice gin as well. Uh, two parts milk, one part cream, and vanilla bean. I have it here in this mixer. I'm going right. to give it a shake. So, yeah. Well, the holy... Yeah. Okay, it's, it's, it's getting all over, over the that. studio <laughs> and my computer. Uh, good. Okay. Now I've got... Pour some up for you. So, we are asking the age-old question... Do gin and milk go together? Okay, so. Thanks. That's your milk punch. Now, it's a, it's a bit of a hangover cure in uh, New Orleans. Uh, and it's, it's meant to have kind of botanicals in it. It's meant to have nutmeg as well. I didn't have any of that at home. Um, so, yeah, just kind of looks like a milky. It's good. <laughs> Tastes like you poured alcohol into milk. It really just tastes like alcohol and milk. It's a lot of alcohol in there. All I can taste is... But do you know what? The milk kind of like calms the burn of alcohol. Yeah. So you don't really feel it as much. It doesn't burn. Yeah. Maybe it really is the holy grail. Yeah. Like kids want to do shots. Kids don't do shots. But if you are going kids to do it... over 18. Kids over 18. Um, okay. Alcohol professor. Ooh, yep. No, I just didn't have much the first sip, but there's actually a lot of alcohol in there. All right, the rest of the show is going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> alcohol professor, we salute you. And people of New Orleans, you can mix gin and milk, um, but you shouldn't do it during a, a radio. So, I love a flavoured milk. Yeah. People at work put shit on me, call me a tradie, yeah. because I always get flavoured milk. Yes. <laughs> Um, you you walk out going, you, you blokes want something from the shop? <laughs> yeah, I drink it on smoker <laughs> instead of a cigarette. Um, 
so yeah, the big M varieties are usually like what I go for. And at the moment they've got a lamington one, which actually tastes like a liquid lamington. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah, it's not bad. Mm. And you know, I sometimes I dabble in banana, strawberry, chocolate, iced coffee, just depending on what I feel like. But the one I never touch is the egg flip big M. It's always been my favorite. Really? Yeah. Because I've had it before, but I can't really remember what it was like, but I, I didn't really enjoy it as much as the others. So I never really had it again. And I don't really understand what it is. Like it says egg flip and mm. that doesn't really sound appealing at all. Yeah. I Well, I, I guess it's kind of like eggnog, right? Yeah. But n- eggnog would normally have booze in it. I'm guessing they're not allowed yeah. to put booze in it because tradies aren't allowed to get drunk on smoko. And what's the flavor of eggnog? Egg and nog, just some nog. Well, well, I've never had eggnog, so I it's don't kind know of like the spiced, sugary, sweet, eggy. I don't know. Is there actually any egg in well, egg why flip? Begin? Egg flip. It just makes me think of like flipping fried eggs. Yeah, and putting that in milk. That's true. It doesn't really sound appealing. Don't Google it. We're going to ex- we're going to okay. explore it right All now. Right, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so it came out in the seventies. This egg flip began. Did it? Then it disappeared. Then it came back a f- few years ago as a promotion. Then it disappeared. It was around in the eighties. It was around in the early eighties. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I, I don't know when it disappeared. I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. it did. No, I just. I rem- that was my drink of choice in okay. 1983 to five. Mm. Um, and anyway, now it's back again in select supermarkets. Right. Like, it was in one out of two I visited today. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of the odds. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of people, I mean, I've been speaking to a lot of people about Egg Flip Big M's this week and h- half say that, that it tastes like eggnog, half say that it tastes like vanilla. Maybe eggnog tastes like vanilla and then they're all just saying the same thing in different yeah, ways. I think so. But I thought we should. Tr- I should try it okay. right now for the first time in years yep. since it disappeared and came back again. Okay. And we'll see if I actually like you it. You can share in the... And the other thing is the words on the side of the box don't give you any clues. Like mm. it just says ingredients, fresh milk, sugar, flavor, vegetable gum, natural color. That's it. It's really unhelpful. It's no egg. It's no mention of vanilla. No mention of nog. <laughs> so many milky beverages in the studio. Okay. Here you go. Oh, that's been out of the fridge for a while. That's <laughs> it's very sweet. That's just that's the, I'm in the back of my uncle's car. <laughs> We're going to uh, the camp that he used to run out the, out the back of Geelong. Um, uh, yeah, it's taken me back. <laughs> it's taken me right back. I think I can taste vanilla. Yeah, it's definitely, it's got like a vanilla and a spice kind of mm. thing, like a gentle spice. It is really nice. But it does have an eggy vibe to it. But I do you think, think that's, that's just the... I think that's a slight veg- yellow colour. Slight. Yeah. Do you think, what would happen... <laughs> no, don't. If I mixed in... It'd actually be really great. With a milk, <laughs> with a gin milk punch. Now, this is the holy grail. Oh, Wow. Oh, that's, that's amazing. So <laughs> We've just invented the best drink ever. A New Orleans milk punch with gin and whiskey and cognac with a big M egg flip in it. Mm. Six parts egg flip. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so 
I guess I guess that's a plus for egg flip big M. Mm. Like good on its own. Good great. in a cocktail. Great with gin. <laughs> I might add it to my big M rotation. We've we got to get this thing out to the bars before the <laughs> before the podcast goes to air. I feel like I feel like people are gonna take this. It's gonna go Big-M viral. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. From milky drinks to the Milky Way. The chocolate bar. Not directly. Okay. But I want to talk about the scientifically the bright patch of light in the sky. It's a great piece in Mental Floss, the, which I'm a big fan of. The um, sort of It's a great website that boils down really complicated things into really simple bite-sized chunks, which for somebody who has no attention span <laughs> uh, and really has no interest in actually being smart, it can make you sound smart. Uh, so I'll pass that on to you. Ingredient listeners. Um, so, the Milky Way is a bright patch of light as a result of looking at a concentrated band of billions of different stars in our galaxy. Uh, so, when we look up at the night sky, we're viewing the galaxy on its side, and that creates a glowing arc of light, and that's what we know as the Milky Way. But why do we know it as the Milky Way? Yeah, tell me. I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> so, the Romans actually. Well, they they knew the galaxy as Via Lactea, which translates to Road of Milk. Um, and they named it Via Lactea because it looks like the, a milky patch of sky above the Earth at night. It has a sort of milkiness to it. Before the Romans, and um, this isn't in the um, in the mental floss piece, but um, the, in Egyptian mythology, the Milky Way was considered a pool of cow's milk as well. And the Milky Way was deified as a fertility cow goddess by the name of Bat. The Greeks also called it Galaxius Kiklos, which translates into milky circle. And according to the Greek myth, Zeus brought his son Heracles home for Hera to breastfeed while she was sleeping. And Hera did not like Heracles because the child was half mortal. Nobody likes a half mortal child, am I right? And was a result of one of Zeus's affairs. So it was like the Jon Snow of Greek mythology. Um, so, Game of okay, that was a Game of Thrones reference for anybody out there. When Hera awoke, she quickly pushed Heracles away and caused a few drops of milk to spill into the night sky, and thus causing the Milky Way. Um, other cultures have different names for the Milky Way that still have milk in them. So, in Germany, the galaxy is called Milkstrasse, and Norwegians call the galaxy Melkaven. Which brings us to the chocolate, which was actually invented by Frank Mars. One of the Mars brothers from the Mars family. Because you mm. think they just called it a Mars bar because it's like, oh, yeah, it's a planet and that's cool. They were actually called Mars, these people. Um, so, one of them, Frank, invented the Milky Way uh, chocolate bar after three years of research in 1923. And because of the milkiness, uh, because it was inspired by a chocolate malt milkshake that was popular at the time, he named the candy bar Milky Way because of its milkshake-like filling. And thus, we bring it full... Greek milk circle. Okay, so what did we talk about? I talked about the trend of milk bars and almond milk. Then I talked about whether there is milk in milk chocolate. And then I talked to to my grandpa about milk delivery. Then I made a New Orleans milk punch. (laughs) And then we added egg flip big M to it. And then we talked about the Milky Way while still drinking egg flip big m in (laughs) new orleans milk punch um yeah so you can vote for your favorite group of facts either for emily's or mine on instagram if you should should choose to do so 
<laughs> that milk punch is good. Uh, and also, you can come and see us IRL. Mm. Yeah, we're doing a live Ingridopedia recording as part of the Emerging Writers Festival on Friday, the 24th of June. At 12.30 p.m. So if you're in Melbourne, it's at the Wheeler Centre uh, on the corner of Swanson and Little Lonsdale Street. Mm. And we're doing a pretty special ingredient that week. We've we been are. building up to it for a while. It's been a long time coming. Mm. Uh, and, and yeah, it's going to be our 28th episode. And that's a that's long enough to build yeah. up to this this ingredient. And it's not a secret. Like, we can just say that it's avocado. Oh, okay. But I'm really hoping that the avocado emoji is released in time for it. Maybe even on that date, that would be extra special. Let's lobby the uh, emoji <laughs> people for it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>